The Start. On Demand. On demand. I'm Greg, he's Brett. I love the winter oh. weather because the two of us can get together. What is this, Jerry? That's I love the winter weather by the squirrel nut zippers. The <laughs> <laughs> squirrel nut zippers. One of my favorite bands. <laughs> Where are the squirrel nut zippers from? Uh, I believe they're from the Carolinas. Wow. This is quite relaxing. I think winter in the Carolinas is a little different than winter in Manitoba. <laughs> Just saying. You know, throw an extra sweater on, a couple extra logs on the fire, you're covered. I think yesterday, half of Winnipeg got in line to wash their car. Mm. I mentioned this, yep. <laughs> I think, a couple of days ago that there's good news and bad news about the weather forecast, and the good news was that you could finally keep your car clean for about a week at a time or, or more. I went outside to warm up my car, and I pulled on the handle, and it stuck open. And I didn't. I was trying to close, couldn't close the door. I'm thinking, how am I going to get to work? Am I going to hold the door closed? With... Anyway, I mucked around with it, managed to get it closed. Uh, not as cold out as we thought it might be. Forgot to plug in the car. If you forgot, you should be more than fine. Minus 17 right now, but there is some nasty weather coming for uh, the next week or so. And Shadow Davis is saying, uh, you know, Embrace the return of the deep freeze? Actually, I don't know what he's going to say. Let's find out. Good morning. So here it comes. Winter is about to show its teeth. We got a little blast yesterday with the wind, but we're going to notice a very discernible difference today. And why not? Winter officially begins at 1028 our time tomorrow morning. So keeping in mind our normal temps for this time of year, minus 11 for a high and minus 21 for a low. Let's have a look at the next week according to Environment Canada. Oh, and global weather specialist Adriana Zhang may have some slightly different numbers for us through the morning, but the trends will remain the same. Wind chill should make it feel like minus 31 this afternoon. The wind chill is minus 30 tonight. Much the same for the rest of the week. Then we get to Christmas Eve and... (laughs) Wind chills are going to push her down into the minus 30s. For how long? Well, according to the Weather Network, we'll be well below normal for at least the next two weeks. Are you truly surprised by this? I mean, we've been spoiled so far this year, but that's over now. This is what we're famous for, folks. We know how to deal. We may forget for short periods of time, but the cold forces us to remember very, very quickly, doesn't it? I've been wearing my fall coat up until yesterday, but that's changed. Had to pull out the heavy winter leather this morning, which reminds me. When changing coats like you might have to today, just like I did, you also have to transfer everything in your pockets from one jacket to the other. Also, when we wear one coat for an extended period of time, We become used to where everything is in the coat, the size of the pockets, where the pockets are, etc. It's almost like muscle memory, like blinking. So when we change coats, that goes away, which can lead to lost keys, wallets, and smartphones. So keep that in mind for a few days until you adapt to the parameters of the new coat. Also, I was reminded the other day after standing outside for a few hours at Peter's Christmas house in Transcona, that returning blood flow is very painful. I hadn't felt that since I was a little kid playing outdoor hockey at Pirates Community Club. Went inside, feet were kind of numb, even with the boots on, so I warmed them up. 
Oh, just for a second, but man, oh, oh. this was a result of being pathetically underdressed, even though I thought I wasn't. So the moral of this story, dress for the cold, head to toe, who cares how it looks? What are we, teenagers? Whatever. Happily, there's not much snow in the forecast. That can change quickly. Adriana or Mike Conkin could all of a sudden say Colorado low approaching, which is my most despised winter term. But as of right now, maybe a sprinkle here and there. One more thing. Dad always used to tell me to make sure I had my gas tank filled up to at least half so you don't get condensation freezing in the tank, which can cause gas line issues. And if you don't park in a heated garage, don't wash your car in the brutal cold unless you want the locks to freeze. Yes, it still happens even with remote keyless entry. Boy, just talking about this is making me cold. But... Back to Brett and Greg. <laughs> Thank you very much, Shadow Davis. I do need to wash my car, but I don't park outside. So once I wash it, I'll have to take it for a 20-minute drive, I think. Whether you do it now or did it as a kid, one of your most memorable holiday traditions may be gathering around in front of the television and watching your favorite seasonal programming. Today we're having coffee Talking about our favorite holiday slash Christmas special. Shanalee Vidal, Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore are all in studio. And of course, behind the glass, Jerry is here. I'm Greg Mackling. He's Brett McGarry. Why don't we start with you, Shanalee Vidal? I think you've got maybe the all-time classic. Uh, so let's uh, let her rip. This this one goes back to 1964, and it's something my brother and myself would watch every Christmas. We'd love it, and even even as, as adults, I think we we still love it, and I still watch this every year. Donner taught Rudolph all the ins and outs of being a reindeer, how to get food, how to fight off enemies, things like that. But most important, most important of all, he taught his son to beware of. The abominable snow monster of the north. He's mean, he's nasty, and he hates everything to do with Christmas. If you haven't seen that one, that, of course, is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And uh, anyone who knows me well knows that I actually have a, a pair of the snow monster, the Bumbles, that travel with me everywhere I go. And I have a quite the Bumble collection. You know that, uh, and I realize your your coffee cup is of the uh, a certain uh, emoji uh, with a cute little face. Uh, but there is a coffee cup that is in the sh- same shape, but it's the Bumble. Is face. there really? Yeah, I found it at Toad Hall. Couple of weeks back, so I will have to seek that out. I guess we know what you're getting for Christmas. I uh, wonder who Brett Chatelaine, yeah, Secret uh, Santa is. Uh, no, no, I, no, 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 no. <laughs> I won't be doing that. <laughs> I don't want to get any hopes up. No but I did not buy it. I just saw it there. Uh, but uh, that's also the longest-running television special of any kind. So that's uh, yeah. that's pretty cool. Uh, Kelly, what's yours? She's no Bumble coffee cup for Chatelaine. No special mints for me. I'm a Grinch. Yeah, no kidding. And you know what? And I really fought between Jim Carrey's The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, but I have to go back to my old standby. I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards, 
and decorating trees and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Maybe Lucy's right. Of all the Charlie Browns in the world, you're the Charlie Browniest. <laughs> oh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Absolutely, I love it every year. You know, it's just one of those shows you know exactly when it's going to be said, how it's going to be said, but still enjoy it. And that Christmas tree. The yeah. Charlie Brown Christmas yeah, we, tree. And we actually had one of those one year. Really? <laughs> yeah, just every time you put just even this, just some tinsel on it, the needles would just fall all off. <laughs> Wasn't as fresh as they promised, no, Kelly? No, 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 definitely not. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Brown, I understand the, the love affair with Charlie Brown to a certain extent, but I always just find myself kind of sad after I watch a Charlie Brown special. <laughs> He's such a sad sack. He He's is, just... he is so downtrodden. Kids a boomer. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> Even listening to that clip, I feel like I kind of just want to go back to bed. <laughs> yeah, there is something. Uh, I, the music for me is the, is my favorite part. When you hear uh, uh, Schroeder playing yeah. music. Yeah, I get behind that. Yeah. I get behind that. Uh, on the subject of music, before we go to, to Behind the Glass Jerry's selection, I wanted to circle back to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Shanley, because I was watching some of that the other day. It was on, and I... And I couldn't help but notice, because I, I used to love, love, love watching that when I was a kid. And I still enjoy it, but I couldn't help but thinking, this is not good. What? <laughs> it's Agreed. Just, yeah, it's just so, it's too long. And the song, Some of the songs are really corny. Chantilly's starting to show her fangs already. <laughs> so there's, so there's at no point in, in that 60-minute special, do you think this is uh, kind of... This could g- be about 50 minutes shorter. No, yeah. absolutely no. not. Okay. It could be longer, if anything. Mm, okay. <laughs> Star Wars, Return of the Jedi longer, or... Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that was not a long movie. <laughs> Interesting. That's good. Okay. That's good. Jerry. Uh, the the one that I chose is actually kind of a pseudo-sequel to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh, a lot more humor in it. Uh, comes uh, from our friends over at the BBC in England. It's Robbie the Reindeer. I've been captain of the Slay team for years, but Robbie's dad, he's still the famous one. The children sing a song about me? No. Am I on the magazines? No. Just because he saved the day for the boss one time... He was a smart reindeer that ruled. Oh, no, no, no. I will not have that name said in my presence. Are you talking about Rudolph? Uh, German name, wasn't it? Um, Rudolph. Oh, it is a catchy song, though, isn't it? A one, a two, a Rudolph. Well, if I can't get him, I'll get his son. I will not sleep until I have destroyed Robbie. Robbie the reindeer, and they did not have the rights to use Rudolph in it, so every time anyone would try to mention his name, Who? Blitzen would cover their mouth. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> kind oh, of the spirit of uh, Spinal Tap and the Ruddles, right? Yeah. Almost, uh, almost a cheeky parody, right? Absolutely. And there's actually three Robbie the reindeer specials. I've only seen the first two. I haven't seen the last one yet. Where might uh, one watch these? Do you know? Uh, well, you can watch England. The first, you can watch the first two on YouTube. Uh, the third one, I've never been able to find. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, Fascinating. And Search I, I, is on. And I own the first one on DVD. I haven't been able to find the other ones on DVD. Well, good for you for uh, picking that up. I might have to borrow that from you, Jerry. Jeff Braun, what's your favorite uh, yeah, TV special? Yeah, I, I can't get on board. I'm like you. I can't get on board with these 
kids shows or whatever that we used to watch when we were little. When after I grew up, I was just like, no, no thanks, I can't watch that anymore. So uh, <laughs> the one I I always have a little marathon of uh, all the Christmas episodes from The Office. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> no, why why did you bring that here? Don't worry, she's dead. Merry Christmas, Dwight. Jim. Wow. What do we got here? What does it look like? Dead goose. And circle gets the square. So can you watch this? I'm gonna get my carving knife out of the trunk. Uh, do I? We talked about this. No, Toby, this is different. It's a dead animal in an office. <laughs> when Dwight hit the goose on the way to work and he oh, thought he'd bring it in to so have for sad. Christmas supper, it was hilarious. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Shadowy. I think I think you're outvoted. Um, Just a heads up: VX is playing all the uh, Simpsons Christmas episodes on Christmas Day, back to back to back to back to back to back. Oh my, that's good. I think it's uh, 25. I think it's It's 26 or 27 episodes that they're playing, so that'll be uh, really good. The Gary Coleman one's the best. What you're talking about, everyone. (laughs) The Gary Coleman one is very good. He's a security guard or something, right? Um, Now, the very best rendition of this story was never captured on film. Because it took place on the stage at Isaac Brock School back in 1976, starring yours truly oh, as God. Frosty the Snowman. But, uh, you know, barring that, you may have to suffer through the 1969 video version. I suppose it all started with the snow. You see, it was a very special kind of snow. A snow to make the happy happy and the giddy even giddy. A snow to make a homecoming homier. And natural enemies, friends. Natural. For it was the first snow of the season. And as any child can tell you, there's a certain magic to the very first snow. Especially when it falls on the day before Christmas. For when the first snow is also a Christmas snow, (laughs) well, something wonderful is bound to happen. Do you know who the voice is there? Jimmy Durante. Jimmy Durante. Yeah. So there you go. Frosty the Snowman, that's my pick. And I can still watch it. Uh, it, it it's crummy, but I still like it. Were you Frosty on the Isaac Brock stage, by I the way? I was Frosty, of course. Wow. Absolutely I was. So it was a non-singing part then? Uh, just stood there looking good in the, in the, in the <laughs> costume, baby. Jerry, you had your hand up there. Did you need to chime in? No, not at all. Oh. <laughs> Okay. I'll just uh, quickly mention that mine is, uh, it's uh, it's fairly recent. It debuted in 2009. It's a show called Prep and Landing. Open. Hangar door. Cue Rosebud. Reindeer ready to roll. We are go for launch. Dash away. Oh. Before the big guy takes off, <laughs> he gets a little help from his friends. I'm part of Prep and Landing, an elite unit of elves getting houses ready for the big guy's arrival. Our mission statement, get in, get out, never be noticed. So this is from Disney, uh, debuted in 2009. Believe it or not, it was Disney's first ever made-for-television made animated Christmas special. And Dave <laughs> really? Foley of the Kids in the Hall is the voice of the oh, one you heard. Yeah. His name is Wayne. And, uh, yeah, they, they go out and they get the houses ready for Santa when he arrives. Great animation. They made a sequel in 2011. Lots of fun. It already aired, though, and I missed it! <laughs> There's so. a first breath smash <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> A wintry Wednesday, maybe not as cold as we were expecting, 
overnight. If you forgot to plug in your car, you're probably okay. It's not too bad out there. The wind chill isn't nasty, minus 18, but you will want to be digging out those extension cords and making sure they're in good working order over the next 24 hours as we head into a deep freeze just in time for the first day of winter, Brett. And... Liz Kulik from CAA Manitoba is here to talk about how you can make winter easier on your vehicle and what you can do if your vehicle gets the winter woes. Liz, thank you so much for joining us. Before we get into anything about vehicles, I wanted to point out how you you admonished Greg when you looked down at his footwear and said, did you wear sneakers to work today? No winter boots? Well, you know, and the first thing I said was warmth is cool. Yeah. And it absolutely is cool. So I've got my boots and my scarf, and it doesn't look very nice, but I'm definitely warm. Well, I would say you're styling in those boots, but I think you bring up a really good point. I think, uh, and I was mentioning the fact that my kids sometimes will try and leave the house just because we're going from the house to the car and maybe the car to, uh, you know, to curling or something. And they don't put on their toque and their mitts, but it's not about those 30 feet between buildings. It's about what happens if you break down. And for most people, They've never had it happen, but it'll only happen once, and you go, boy, I should have had A, B, C, all the way through G or H in the car, and uh, we're going to talk about what some of those things ought to be. Yeah, well, you know, the, the the emergency kit that you should have in your car all throughout the year, not just in winter, has lots of goodies in it, like things to keep you warm, candles, flares if you need to flag somebody down, maybe some small tools, put some food in there, all that kind of stuff, but yeah, you're right, having the ski pants and the jacket when you're traveling to Grandma's house over Christmas holidays, maybe it's a warmer day, so you don't take all that stuff, but what happens if you do get stuck and help can't get to you? We see it more often than not during the winter when we have a big winter storm. People just need to get where they need to go, so they take that chance, maybe venture out onto a highway that they shouldn't venture out on. Yeah, you've got this. So you brought in a, a road, a deluxe roadside emergency kit, uh, which comes in a bag, which BTG, Behind the Glass Jerry, aptly remarked, kind of pops open like a, like a doctor's bag, mm-hmm. and it's got all sorts of I felt like a child. I just dove in and started pulling things out. It's kind of like a stocking on Christmas morning is what it is. It's full of all the accoutrements. Well, and you know, it's interesting. I The first year I worked at CAA, every single person in my family got an emergency roadside oh, kit for d- Christmas. Oh, yes. how nice is that? <laughs> well, and it, it's, a, it's something that everybody needs to have. It's like an insurance policy that you never want to have to use, but it's really great to have. And the one tip we'll give with the kit, it's got lots of stuff in it, but if you're traveling with your family of four, add more stuff. So add more candles, add more blankets, add more food and water to make sure every single person in the car, including the dog, has stuff for them. And you can get these at CAA at the different locations? Yeah, absolutely. We've got them fully stocked as of today. Now, well, one way to make sure you don't need the emergency kit, I remember my grandmother buying my brother a fire extinguisher for his birthday one year, and she said to me, do you think, uh, do you think Chris will use this? I'm like, well, hopefully not. <laughs> kind of like your CAA membership <laughs> or this bag, right? It's something that mm-hmm. is great to have. You don't necessarily want to have to use it. What are some of the ways that we can make sure that even though we have that membership, yeah. we don't have to make a call on the coldest day of the year? Well, and I feel the fact that we're so far into winter and it's been so nice and we haven't had to talk about these things is great, but if you haven't put on your winter tires, if you haven't had a battery test, or if your battery is more than, say, five years old, the chance that on a morning like today or tomorrow or the next day it's not going to start is high. Um, Things you can do to get maybe an older battery to start better is 
um, get an oil change with synthetic oil. It's got that lower viscosity, and it'll be easier um, moving around in your car when it's warm. Or that Winnipeg Winter Oil from uh, Super Lube here in Winnipeg, right? Absolutely. That goes a long way. Absolutely. It's, it makes a big difference. You wouldn't think it. And it's a little bit more of an investment. But if you think about Winnipeg and what we need to do to equip ourselves. Um, and then, I mean, the plug in your car. We started talking about it at CAA yesterday. If you forgot to plug in last night, you'll probably be okay. We usually stay around minus 15. Um, and when you get out and your car hasn't started or if you need to call CAA and you're waiting for us, plug in in the meantime. So any time that you have your car plugged in keeps those internal components warm and it'll make it a lot easier to turn over when we do come to get you. Is that a good or bad idea? Obviously tonight is, uh, or this morning was a a bad example for this, but when we get into deep freeze, like minus 30 overnight Mm -hmm. um, to start the car occasionally if it's like let's say it's sitting there for 8 to 10 12 hours not moving you know that's not really going to do too much it might be good for your peace of mind to be like okay it still started after six hours in the minus 30 but that's probably not going to do too much to warm up your car maybe driving it for half an hour might help but not a lot of us are going to make that investment it's more about just keeping the internal components warm making sure you have a new battery and uh I think that those are the easiest things you can do. And the thing that we would caution right now, yeah, so it wasn't super cold last night, but by the time we get to the 23rd, 24th, and goodness, it's going to be cold on the 25th and 26th too, it's when we see two or three, four days in a row that people are really going to have problems. So if you started today but you struggled, I would call today because we're going to be busy on the weekend. And if you struggle that first day, the next day it won't start. And on the same token, if you get a boost today or tomorrow and you know you need a new battery but you say, I'll put it off, I'll put it off, get that new battery right away because if it doesn't start that first time and you need a boost, it's probably going to need a charge next time. You went down this road last year, did you not, Mr. McGarry? I did. I uh, it was early January, and uh, my car. I left my lights on. My the the light inside my car. I somehow managed to leave that on. I think, and of course, it killed the battery. It was out in the parking lot here, so I had to call. You gave me a boost, and I thought it was. I think I drove it around for ten minutes, or let it run for ten minutes, and then it wouldn't start. So CAA came and and checked it and gave me a boost, and I I drove for an hour. He told me to take it for a long ride. And uh, I did, and God, it was cold. And I remember thinking, please don't break down while I'm somewhere. I think I ended up at the on the perimeter trying to get up to high speed, and then the next morning it still died. So CA had to come and actually replace the battery. Yeah, yeah. So and in those cases, you get the battery tested, and they tell you if you need a new one. But uh, driving for an hour is probably a good thing after you drain the charge. But you can actually buy something called a, a, a trickle charger, a battery charger. We sell them at CA too. We sell everything down there apparently, and uh, you attach it to your car overnight and it gives a slow boost to your car so that you're actually bringing the charge up. There's a difference between a dead battery and then a battery that can't hold charge and then just maybe a battery that has had the charge depleted. So you can replace the charge very easily by attaching one of those to your car. It's a low-cost thing and you should have one in your garage as well. I think a lot of people underestimate the the power, pardon the pun, <laughs> yes. of the battery in your car. It is absolutely critical. It's probably the most critical part of the starting process mm-hmm. when it's cold. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you got to do a little bit of maintenance throughout the year. And some people push it too far. And in Winnipeg, you really can't push it much past five years, especially with new cars. Man, sometimes it's as simple as just keeping the connections and the and the terminals mm-hmm. clean. I've seen that uh, where you get those calcium uh, deposits build up over time. So just some, some solid ma- maintenance. The easy maintenance goes an awful long way. 
away, and there's nothing worse than being stranded somewhere where you don't want to be because then it's a then it's a time issue as well. Yep, and our, our drivers are going to be cold, but they'll be out there. And uh, let me just throw one more thing out uh, before we go today. But uh, we had an incident yesterday with one of our tow truck drivers where their tow truck was rear-ended on the side of the road because of a careless driver. And generally, once a winter, we'll come out and give drivers a reminder. Even in the summer, we talk about being safe around people working on the side of the road. But I just wanted to throw it to Winnipeggers because the colder it gets, the icier it gets. And uh, if we're in a hurry, maybe because of Christmas season, we might not be thinking about those people working on the side of the road. So know that it's law to slow down to 40 when you're driving 60 and you have to give a lane of space between yourself and a tow truck driver. Yeah, it's not hard to change lanes. I always do it, even if a, a individual has their vehicle with their hazards on. You never know when they're going to pop out of that car yeah. to take a look at what's going on. Liz, this is great stuff. On a membership... If you're struggling for a Christmas gift, hello. Free trunk organizer right now to do it as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Liz, I'm not we're turning off your microphone now. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, Liz Kulik, CAA Manitoba spokesperson. As someone who slept every minute he could in high school and post-secondary education, <laughs> I can say more sleep is better. But if you just push back the start time of the day, is that going to help? I'm skeptical. Let's find out what Shadow Davis thinks. Good morning. Quick story here. When I first started doing morning radio back in the early 90s, I was told by many veteran morning radio people like Ron Abel, Don Percy, maybe you've heard of those guys, to make sure I got enough sleep because it's important for your health. They all said the same thing. Did I listen? No. I was 27 years old, and whether I had to get up at 4 a.m. or not, I was still going to live my life. Well, I wound up in the doctor's office a year later, malnourished and with the shakes. Doc said, you doing drugs? No, I said, a lot of drinking. How much sleep you getting? Five hours, depending, I said. Very seriously, he looked at me and said, you need eight hours. Get more sleep or die. All right, those were his words. And when they come from your doctor in that tone of voice, you should listen. So I did, and I've been a big advocate of proper sleep ever since. We heard from Global News reporter Christian O'Mell yesterday afternoon. There's a school trustee in Ward 6, the Winnipeg School Division, who presented a motion at a meeting Monday night that asks staff to look into the impact of a later start time for high school kids. Classes currently start at 9 a.m. Mm, uh, <laughs> what? What? Okay, Kathy Collins is the trustee in question. She said, I've seen a lot of articles that adolescents these days aren't getting enough sleep and it affects their cognitive performance. They need between 8 and 10 hours of sleep. If they sleep a bit more, they have benefits like improved physical and mental health and alertness. Since we're concerned about graduating students and attendance, I thought this would be a good way to achieve better results. <laughs> this idea is still very new. It needs to be debated and voted on by the board on January 15th. Collins believes she has the support to get it passed, and if they pass it, they would then survey parents and staff as part of the research process, looking at any potential financial implications such a move would have. It would also look at what impact later start times have had on students in other jurisdictions. Because making sure we change everybody's schedule so the kids can get the sleep they need is definitely the way to go. Let's change society's rules so the kids are comfortable. And I love a good map. Okay, what about this? Because they're teenagers, they're going to go against the grain regarding anything we boffs have to say, good or bad. Boff, by the way, 
boring old fart teen slang, yo. Or they'll simply take advantage. Now, instead of staying up chatting online until 1, they'll stay up chatting until 2. And what about when they actually have to get into the real world? Where things start when they start. Be at work by 8 a.m., not 8.15, 8 a.m. sharp. Sorry, old dude, but I just didn't get the sleep I needed last night. <laughs> okay, you're fired. Huh? What? Maybe I'm old school here, but a start time is a start time, and to change it based upon some study about the needs of the teenager sends a horrible message. And that message is, don't worry about following the rules, kids. We'll change the rules to accommodate you from now on, because always remember, the world revolves around you, and the sun shines right out of your butt. <laughs> Listen, I'm all for public health and healthy kids. But this is just a stupid idea. If you need eight hours sleep, go to bed at 10. And if you need to set three alarms to get up on time, set four, just to make sure. Teenager or not. Back to Mackling and McGarry. Thank you very much, Shadow Davis. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm wondering what I would do if, let's say, school had started an hour later. Would I have just fought to stay up an hour later? And I think, yeah... Um, but I also wonder too, because there are, I'm a, I'm a night person getting up in the morning still to this day, get waking up anywhere in the seven to eight o'clock region makes me feel like I'm getting up for school and I hate it. And, uh, I, I don't know it's if almost that's like muscle memory. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because I hated school or if that's because I'm just not programmed and my body does not like to get up at that time of day. I don't know. I, I, I think you need therapy on that. Well, <laughs> I think I need therapy on a lot more than just that, Greg. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry. It is the Shadow Davis Show. Shadow standing by with a heartbreaking story about a couple that's been uh, married for 70 years. Something that's happening to them in New Brunswick. Uh, it's got a lot of people up in arms, but... We do want to reward you for listening to the program. We want to thank you by sending you to see Cavalia Odiseo. It starts May 12th. We don't have a definite date of when these tickets will be for, but Brett, we do want to send two people, one lucky winner, two tickets under the big top at Sterling Line Parkway and Keniston. And we're going to do this today by... Quizzing you on your knowledge of how close you pay attention to what you might see on television. George Clooney has been starring in Nespresso commercials where he gets dropped into various movies on his quest to get his cup of Nespresso. And, <laughs> Whatever that is. And uh, Behind the Glass Jerry remarked that one of those clips involves him... Uh, is he riding the horse or is he just... He's riding beside the horse. Riding beside the horse. Mm. Which horse is he riding beside? 204-780-6868 is the number to call. What horse is George Clooney riding beside in that Nespresso commercial you've seen of late with him and Andy Garcia? Lines are lighting up. <laughs> they are, but they were light, lighting up slower than they normally do. You can see the, the hesitation from the public here, but I, I have no doubt that we will give those tickets away without any difficulty. We mentioned the fact that Shadow is standing by a couple of New Brunswick who have been together for more than 70 years have been separated and not because... 
They wanted to be separated, not because they want a divorce. Here's Shadow with that story. Good morning. You may have heard this story, but there's a bit of an update to it. 91-year-old Herbert Goodine and his wife Audrey, who's 89 years old, have been a couple for 73 years and married for 69 of those. And up until Monday morning, they'd been living together in an assisted living complex in New Brunswick, still sleeping in the same bed, still doing everything together. And I say up until Monday morning, not because one of them passed away, like you may have thought, but because the people that run the facility decided that Herbert now needs more intensive care and moved him from a Category 2 patient to a Category 3 patient. Audrey is still a Category 2, so this means they can no longer live in the same room or even in the same facility. Apparently, the case is that Herbert has dementia and it's gotten to the point that he needs to be monitored on a regular basis. But here's the issue. Why would the management of this facility hit the family with this choice? And the choice was either move both of them together to a facility three hours away or one of them to a facility 45 minutes away. Why would they hit them with that choice a week before Christmas? Here's Herbert and Audrey's daughter, Diane, followed by a few words from Herbert himself. I feel it was very cruel. It's unethical and it's cruel. My mom said, why could it not wait till after Christmas? This is not the happiest time of my life. He said, they left me with my wife said, where I was. Their daughter, Kathy, went on to say, the nursing home is their friends. It's the company they have. Their life is narrowed down to a room and to take them from their few friends a few days before Christmas, it's just not humane. It's cruel and it's emotionally abusive. And who could disagree with that? Well, the people who run the home, for starters, and then there's the provincial government. On Monday, the owner and operator of Victoria Villa, Jennifer Egan, said she could not comment on specific cases due to privacy, but explained, once a resident is beyond our care, the Department of Social Development reassesses that resident to determine what level they are. At that point, I have to follow those rules and regulations set by the government. In fact, it's against the law for me not to follow those rules. The province's Department of Social Development also told Global News it takes concerns seriously and works with families to ensure appropriate options to enable residents to receive the care they require and deserve, whether it's a week before Christmas or the middle of July. So what now? Will these two ever be together again? It may take up to a year, but at some point they should be reunited, If, of course, if they, if they live that long. Herbert is now trying to settle in to a temporary single bed at a nursing home about 40 minutes away. You come in a room all by yourself, why, it don't make you feel too happy. Herbert will be reunited with Audrey at Christmas when they both go to their daughter's home for the holidays. He can't wait to see her again. You know, you often hear about one passing on and the other going shortly after. In this case, at 91 and 89 years of age, how much time do either of them really have left? Separating them a week before Christmas is simply wrong. And going further still, at this point, separating them at all is morally criminal. The care home people should be ashamed. After 73 years together, how does one function without the other? I see couples like this fairly often in the mall, and it always warms my heart and makes me hope that Lisa and I will be like that one day, and maybe you feel the same way. And who is anybody to get in the way of that? In this case, the old expression applies, rules are made to be broken. Back to Mackling and McGarry. 
Uh, Shadow Davis with his softer side this morning. And Brett, this story infuriates me because I got to tell you, from everything I've learned over the years, hosting, co-hosting the health report for St. Boniface Hospital Foundation, all the practitioners that I've interviewed over the years, there's research that backs this up. There's a reason why hospitals are practicing something called holistic care. It has to do with the fact that family being involved in the care of an individual, no matter what they're dealing with, it may be the uh, newborn baby, it may be cancer, it may be palliative care. These institutions have realized that the involvement of family is as good as just about any medicine they receive otherwise in the healthcare system. The support of family members, having them present is absolutely critical. So based on the health of this man alone and the health of this woman, they should be in one another's company. I don't know why there's not some consideration for that along with everything else that uh, Shadow pointed out. Uh, this this is uh, almost criminal what's being done to this family in New Brunswick. I hope it gets rectified sooner than later because it, it's genuinely heartbreaking. Mackley McGarry faces for radio. It's a Shadow Davis show, and uh, many of us are getting ready to celebrate Christmas in the coming days, but others in the city and around the world are having their holiday celebration tomorrow to coincide with the arrival of the winter solstice. So we thought we would reach out to the local, local pagan community and learn more about Yule. So we are joined by Dominique Smith. She is a professional witch and owner of the Elemental Book and Curiosity Shop, which is located at 355 Langside. And she joins us now live in studio at 680 CJOB. Good morning, Dominique. Good morning, and thank you for the invite. Well, it's, it's a pleasure to meet you. Now, uh, we have to qualify this professional witch. How do you uh, get accreditation for such a thing? Well... I've been uh, on the pagan path for over 32 years. I've uh, traveled internationally and spoken internationally with regards to witchcraft and magic. So uh, really, I guess it's the people that I work with that give me that title. So uh, help us understand pagan rituals. I think uh, for a lot of us, we don't even realize that many of the things that we celebrate on a yearly basis, some of the things that are annual celebrations come from pagan rituals once upon a time. Absolutely. Uh, Yule in particular uh, is actually uh, proto-Germanic and pre-Christian. And uh, a lot of the kind of modern things that we see in Christmas is actually influenced by a lot of the stories and the lore and the sagas uh, of uh, pre-Christian belief systems. So uh, Yule is also uh, in conjunction with uh, winter solstice, which is the longest night of the year and the shortest day. So Yule or the winter solstice, mid, uh, midwinter, uh, sometimes called Mother's Night, is a, a celebration of the rebirth of the sun. It's agricultural. So the idea is, is if we really look pre-even Yule, the sun was the first original deity that was worshipped in the world because without it, we wouldn't exist. Life on earth would not exist without the sun. So it becomes a very important symbol for the upcoming year. So Yule is happening tomorrow. Uh, you know, we say Merry Christmas. How do, is there a, a Yule greeting? Um, I don't think that there's a standard uh, in, in modern paganism and neo-paganism. I think people say, you know, Blessed Yule or, you know, Happy Holidays or so on and so forth. And there are a lot of people who identify as pagan who still, you know, celebrate, uh, you know, the kind of 
Christmases that everyone else does as well uh, because it's so ingrained within our own culture as it is that it doesn't necessarily become a religious aspect of the world around us. It just becomes a moment of celebration with our family and kin. Is there a, are there geographical locations around the around the world where the arrival of the winter solstice is celebrated more than it might be otherwise? I'm thinking of Stonehenge. Will there be a big celebration at Stonehenge, or or am I making that up? Um, th- there probably is, but. Uh, it- one that comes to mind is in, in Ireland, a New Grange, uh, where really it's it's a celebration of the sun. So what, how Yule is marked or the winter solstice is marked is when the North Pole is actually tilted away uh, and on its axis, away from the sun, and it's at an angle of 23.5 degrees. Right. So specifically, it's not until in our time, probably around 10 tomorrow morning. Uh, however, within Celtic traditions, we're already starting to celebrate today. So celebrations within Celtics is three days. So there is the day before, the day of, and the day after. Well, they know how to throw a party. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So what uh, what kind of things are you doing to celebrate, to mark Yule? Well, uh, one of the things that we're doing actually at the shop is is on the 22nd, which is also within the day before, day of, and day after, is that we will be having a public ritual at the store to help celebrate Uh, and welcome in the sun, as well as to uh, look retrospectively at the year and introspectively itself. So one of the things that I find within my own personal practice, because I can't speak for everyone because pagan practice and and spiritual practices is as unique as the individual, but for my own personal practices, I look at this as a time of really looking back into the dark because that's where we're at. We're in the dark time of the year. This is where we slow down. This is where we really, uh, you know, kind of hide away like the weather really doesn't help, you know. So uh, this is where we have a time to kind of sit with ourselves and look at our year. What do we learned? What have we experienced? And how do we take that forward and learn those lessons into the coming season where the sun is reborn? So this is all anew. So how do we do that? And so this is what we'll be doing with the ritual on the 22nd is, is looking at the things that we've learned, look, to, look into the dark, look into the abyss, and see the things that we have learned. Well, and, and let's face it, uh, there's a reason why New Year's matches up very closely to the winter solstice, well, right? Absolutely. And, and, and that's with the changing from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar or, or some something similar. I'm hearkening back to Mr. Herablik's history class here, so am I on the right track at least? Oh, no, absolutely. And, and again, I'll say that, you know— uh, paganism isn't a giant monolith of one particular kind of style or even interpretation of the season or of the holiday. So again, it becomes very individualistic to the person who is celebrating. So some people burn effigies at this time of year or they'll have parades or they'll have ritual or they'll just stay with their family. Uh, there are many ways to celebrate Yule at, at this time of year or the winter solstice. Uh, and uh, I, I highly recommend that anybody just kind of, you know, look back and just learn uh, and look into yourself and really see, you know, the lessons that you've learned for this year and how that can carry you forward into your 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 planning for the next year. Dominique is our guest, Dominique Smith, professional witch. She is a tarot reader and metaphysical shop owner at Elemental Books, the website elementalbooks.ca. You can find it at 355 Langside on Twitter at Elemental Books or on Instagram at Wicked Wander Lust Witch. Thank you so much for joining us today to tell us a little bit about Yule. Thank you. Nice to meet you as well, Dominique Smith. You as well. Thank you. 
Let's talk some Star Wars. This is not going to go the way you think. Kylo failed you. I won't. So the headline at globalnews.ca, Star Wars fans petition to have Last Jedi removed from franchise. That headline from Chris Janselowicz, who is a Global News senior national online reporter and entertainment. And he joins us now live on 680 CJOB. So, Chris, uh, first of all, I, I, I take it you've seen The Last Jedi? Yes, I have. How many times have you seen it? Just once. Just once. Just the one time. Are you a Star Wars fan? I am. I grew up uh, loving the original trilogy. I watched it nonstop. I can pretty much quote it line for line. So, yes. So, no. when you see that there are fans then who want this out of the picture, uh, are you with them or are you maybe telling, thinking they need to chill out a little bit? Well, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say that The Last Jedi is a perfect film. It has its faults. Uh, you know, it lags in the middle. There's a few character things that I'm like, uh, I don't know why that happened. But, you know, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, so I'm not going to say. But there were a few a few faults. Um, but I think the uh, the extent of this petition is, is a little drastic. Um, I think that uh, striking a movie from a franchise is, is an extreme step. Um, I think the movie would have to be like a literal pile of garbage. Uh, in order to do that. And even still, um, you know, I'm not going to, some of the past films in the franchise have not met my expectations. And in fact, have been much worse than Last Jedi, at least in my opinion. Well, Chris, I know when I try to get people into the franchise, I tell them to essentially ignore episodes one, two, and three. So I've been guilty of this myself, and I would not call myself a devotee in any way, shape, or form. I just loved episodes four, five, and six so much that the films that were produced after those, the first set of films, uh, in my mind, didn't live up to expectations. So uh, I might be as guilty, but I wouldn't go as far as to uh, ask for them to be stricken from the record. No, I think, you know, you and I are in the same boat. I, we probably maybe grew up at the same time. I'm not sure. Um, I just, you know, those movies have a resonance. You know, they were the originals, you know, the, the, the fundamental characters that you love, you know, Luke Skywalker, Leia, Han Solo, Chewbacca, like these are all characters that we love. And what I think has happened over time is even when the, um, the episodes one, two, three came out, uh, you know, the Internet wasn't such a, a volatile battleground. And what's happening now is, is, you know, there's an option for everyone to complain. There's an option for everyone to group together and get this group hate thing going on. And I think that's what's really happening here is you're seeing uh, just a manifestation of, of who knows, anger, uh, disappointment, disgust. Uh, and just unfortunately now people have a, a way to uh, voice their opinions in this way. Now, Chris, uh, and again, you can read this article at globalnews.ca, the headline, Star Wars fans petition to have Last Jedi removed from franchise. And you do such a nice job of of summarizing everything that's going on here, including uh, where you talk about the fact that there is a huge Star Wars expanded universe that has hundreds of novels and all kinds of stuff that have been written over the years. And when Disney bought Star Wars, they said, well, you know what? We're not going to make this part of our official canon. And now we've got this new path, and which includes The Last Jedi. So in a sense, I can, I, at the very least, I understand where these super fans are, are kind of mad do you think they at least have a leg to stand on in that sense? 
I mean, I, I understand that. You know, you have, you get a dedication, you get a you get a, a commitment to a certain character, and you know, often it goes you know way off. Like in comics, there's you know fan fiction, there's all these things, and now they're going to do another trilogy by Ryan Johnson in the future, and you know, so this is it can be disheartening. And you you know, you you've grown up with someone, you you put your faith in this thing, and it's it's a, it's a little over the top. Uh, but I get it. I get that it kind of almost hurts in a way to see a character that you love forever behaving in a way that you think is completely different than how they would act. And, you know, there were some parts in, again, in Last Jedi that I, I thought, you know, that's a weird piece. Of, that's a weird way for this character to behave. I, I didn't expect certain things. But, you know, this ultimately is not for us. It's not for me. It's not for you. You know, it's for realistically, it's for young kids. This isn't this isn't a franchise for adults. So. You know, it's just it's a matter of accepting that, you know, this might not be for the 35 year old man. It might not be for the 25 year old man. It's made for, you know, older, slightly older kids. That's really what Star Wars ultimately has always been. Well, Brett, so I think people maybe need to realize that. Sorry, Chris. Uh, Brett played the clip right there. Luke Skywalker says, this is not going to go the way you think. You were warned. It was a warning to one of the characters in the movie. But I think we could all heed the warning because it doesn't go the way you think. And it's sort of a double-edged sword or double-edged lightsaber, if you prefer, where you have these fans that are so committed, that live it, that love it so much. It's much like... And we've drawn this correlation in the past. I did it just last week between those that are fans of sports franchises who feel as though the management and the ownership owe them an explanation of the uh, roster moves that they make, the players that they sign, because people do feel vested in this franchise. There is that correlation again. That's a really, really good comparison. I think that that is totally apt. Uh, You know, things go on behind the scenes. You know, this is ultimately a Disney movie. You know, Disney owns Lucasfilm. So ultimately, Lucasfilm will, you know, have their things that they put in Star Wars movies, and then Disney has the final say. None of us know what goes on. You know, none of us know what Ryan Johnson was told to include, not to include. You know, we don't, none of us know the, the finer details. So really, I guess for people like you and me who love the originals, the best option is to go watch those originals. And, you know, if you want to relive your childhood, a lot of the people complaining with this petition said that their childhood was ruined and, you know, uh, their memories were destroyed and all this stuff. I mean, it, that's that's a little over the top to me. I think you can still go and watch those movies and still love them and enjoy them and see C-3PO and R2-D2 and laugh at them. You know, you can still do all these things. Um, you can hate on the Ewoks all you want. <laughs> you know, you can do whatever you want. Um, so... Yeah, I just think the petition is a step too far. And it's also worth pointing out as well that uh, even though the Rotten Tomatoes audience score is not good, it, it as far as the, the cinema score, which is the kind of exit polling that gets done, uh, The Last Jedi got an A, which is uh, which means audiences generally really like this movie. Yeah, and uh, you know I, I don't really abide by Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's, you know highly susceptible to like this petition, for example, or trolls or whatever. But um, as, as a litmus test, it's all right. Uh, the critic score is off the chart. Um, the critics really love the film. Like you said, the A, the A score is really good. Uh, it's just the audience reviews, the, one, the over 1,000 pages of uh, audience reviews that are mostly negative. <laughs> so, all right. Well, hey, Chris, yeah. uh, thanks for joining us to talk about this. We appreciate it. And... Um... Hopefully they'll chill out when episode 9 debuts in 2019.
We'll see what happens. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Chris Jansellowitz. He is a global uh, digital online reporter, senior national online reporter for entertainment. Again, the headline, Star Wars fans petition to have Last Jedi removed from franchise. Is this what you were telling me about, the trivia nugget? Listen to this. Jerry told me something about this the other day. There's a particular vocalist. Is this it? Okay. Who is it, Jerry? John Bon. John Bon Jovi. <laughs> is this his first ever? His first ever recording. No. And Brett McGarry, who is, if I may allow myself <laughs> the opportunity and the authority yes. to graduate you from uncultured to cultured lout <laughs> in the last 15 months, yeah. we have, you know, swam the rivers of the ballet, the WSO, Rainbow Stage, all the great cultural institutions in our community, the Winnipeg Art Gallery. And I think we are both genuinely in love with this stuff. Yeah. Is that fair to say? It is fair to say. But let's get rid of the word lout altogether. <laughs> I command it gone. <laughs> You're just cultured now, Brett McGarry. By, dec- by your decree? My decree. I am no I de- longer I decree you cultured. I don't know if Andre Lewis, our di- artistic director for Canada's Royal Winnipeg Ballet, has the authority to uh, to decree the same thing. But uh, Andre, what, what do you think? Can we can we deem him cultured? Well, absolutely, and then unlouted, I guess, would be the verb. <laughs> Fantastic. Well See, this is why Andre's become one of our favorite guests. And it's so funny because if we do a top 10, they include so many of the heads of our cultural institutions. And right at the top of that list, of course, is the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. And right at the top of the list of things that you do so well, Andre, is the Nutcracker. And it is plain and simply a Canadian Christmas staple and institution. So uh, welcome back to the studio. Always great to see you. It's a pleasure being here. So Nutcracker returns to the Centennial Concert Hall tomorrow until December 30th. I understand you just did a a rather successful run in Ottawa. Yeah, we did eight sold-out shows in Ottawa uh, a week and a half ago, essentially, and and the reception to the to the production is, is just as warm it was when we opened it there 18 years ago, actually. And the, the neat thing about uh, our production is it's set in Winnipeg over 100 years ago. So there's connection to, of course, there's uh, there's uh, Munson Park, which is at the corner of Wellington Crescent and uh, Grosvenor. There's a hockey game. There's uh, there's all those things that make it Canadian. There's a bay blanket at some point, mounted police. The uh, there's the uh, there's the Peace Tower that becomes the uh, the battleground uh, and the fort for uh, the the 
force of goods against the mice kingdom and all of those fun things. But essentially, it is also very respectful of the version that was created by Lev Ivanov and Marius Petipa in uh, St. Petersburg over uh, 100 years ago. Well, and it features the music of Tchaikovsky, and uh, there's nothing more emotional rouse, emotionally rousing, in my opinion, than some Tchaikovsky. You know, Tchaikovsky wrote some incredible works like Sleeping Beauty, Swan Lake, and Nutcracker, but of course, a whole series of incredible uh, works over his lifetime. He's uh, Russian, and he was commissioned to do Nutcracker, Swan Lake, and Sleeping Beauty by Petipai and Ivanov, and it's of a quality that is unequal. Equaled, I think, in this world, meaning by what he did with Petipa and Ivanov, is is a is such a, a great combination. Well, and the music is going to be performed by the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, uh, which is also an organization we love to to speak with. Is it the entire orchestra that will be yes. joining you? Really, it's, uh, the entire orchestra is in the pit, and it will be uh, conducted by Julian Pelicano. Julian is the uh, also a conductor with the uh, Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. He did Princess and the Goblin in the Fall with us. Uh, we just had Earl Stafford, actually a former conductor with the RWB, has returned to the RWB, did the Ottawa show. Now we're thrilled to have Julian with us. And, of course, the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. It's wonderful to be able to do this live. Now, you mentioned the, the setting is Winnipeg, and it's been Winnipeg-fied, Winnipeg-ized somewhat, uh, this traditional story. And you invite uh, individuals, people with some prominence in our community, mm-hmm. to make cameo appearances in this performance as well. Yes, and we have done that over the years, and <clears throat> we reach out to various people. And it's it's partially that there's a prominence, but it's to give people a bit of a taste of what it is to be uh, in the theater, looking at the audience rather than the other way around. Most people, when they come out, say, "Wow, I never." expected this. I never quite appreciated the power of it or, or, or the, the, the chemistry that's involved in that. Now, as far as Nutcracker is concerned, has this, do you know how many consecutive years you've done Nutcracker uh, over the holiday season? Uh, well, uh, ballpark. We, ballpark. <laughs> I mean, certainly this version, we've done it for 18 years. We had another version that we perform every second year uh, previous to that, but this one, uh, it's uh, every single year we have done it, either in Winnipeg and on tour or just in Winnipeg. Okay. So the the we mentioned the visit to Ottawa. Are there other uh, locales that get the uh, honor of of having the Nutcracker visit uh, this year, other than Winnipeg and Ottawa? Just Winnipeg and Ottawa, because of course the, it's hard to to do your schedule and and have a whole lot more performance. But last year we were in Fayetteville. Uh, in the States, we had Victoria, Vancouver, Nanaimo, and we're always looking at potential new market, but it, it has to fit a fairly tight schedule because it's December, essentially. We can't do it in July. Yeah, of course. Although Christmas in July, that might work for, for some folks. Uh, so how many performances are we talking about all told here in Winnipeg as we move towards uh, December 30th? Well, th- those are complicated details for me to retain, but essentially we have eight shows. And they're selling well, and I, I certainly, if you want to, if you want an experience, I mean, there's pure ballet in there, so it's not just for children. There's quality in there. The sets, the costume, the lighting, the story, which is set in Winnipeg at the turn of the century, but the 
Petipa, Ivanov, the classical side of it is is all present there. So, you know, as a family, you can go there or just as an individual or if you want to impress your girlfriend, uh, say, hey, I'm a cultured guy, too. I, I go to. And you know what? Whenever people, and I think I spoke about this the last time I was here, it just raised you, the quality of your life ultimately if you're able to be touched by such thing as what the arts has to offer. Well, and I also understand that it's actually good to take kids to, like little kids to the ballet because it can kind of help them, help open their mind a little bit in terms of the way that they can perceive and interpret the world. Is there any truth to that? Absolutely. There's complete truth. I mean, you, you want to expose your children to a variety of, of positive experience. And ballet is, I think music is, I think painting is, and all of those things, which speaks to the human endeavors that we are able to do in a positive way. Or even if it's a difficult subject matter, but it expresses something in hopeful tones usually. So, I mean, Nutcracker doesn't try to do any of it. It's just a party, essentially, on the night before Christmas. And Clara has this incredible dream. And then we all find out where reality is at the end. And she's just had a wonderful experience. But, yeah, exposing us children to, to the art, I think, is, is very important. And I think something we need to do more and more within our education system. Well, I always like to commend when uh, the cultural organizations do things that appeal to the youngsters and just try different things because uh, it does have a lasting effect. It may not affect everyone the same way, but, you know, it's like when we do radio and when we share certain stories, if we've reached one person, we've done our job. If we've affected the mindset of one individual, we've probably accomplished more than you could hope to accomplish. And then that's, I think, sort of the mentality with the arts is that... That, uh, you know, it's kind of a one customer at a time thing at times. It, it is definitely if it's more than one great. But, you know, our mission is to enrich the human experience by teaching, creating and performing outstanding dance. And that's what we do. And that's what we want to do. So that our purpose is not just to make ballet, but it's to ultimately touch people. And it speaks to both of your comments and, and uh I think we are a better society for for it, and we have the ability then to uh, to enjoy life in, in in more meaningful ways. I think than than just being uh, without those experiences. Well, I have seen Nutcracker twice. Uh, every time I go to see the Royal Winnipeg Ballet, it's just the I'm always amazed by the athleticism on display. I mean, these are some of the the, the most premium athletes on planet Earth. For one. And then the second thing that always gets me about Nutcracker is there are so many recognizable musical themes that, because it's Tchaikovsky's score that gets used in various movies or TV mm. shows. And I think there are, I, I always find myself saying, oh, I recognize that from this. And I recognize that song from that. So that there's so much going on in this one singular experience. Mm -hmm. and, and that's indeed true. But it's Fascinating to understand it. This all started with an idea to create a ballet based on a, a fairy tale and that uh, Petipa, Ivanov and Tchaikovsky got together, created this incredible thing. I mean, obviously today, although our version is 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 uh, born from that original uh, version that was created and, of course, set in at a different time to a certain degree, but it started somewhere with somebody having a vision of what they wanted to 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 create. So uh, that's that's how the arts work. Well, it's a fascinating story, uh, one that uh, 
I can't imagine not have having seen it in my lifetime. I mean, I, of course I have. I can't imagine that there are others that have not. So if you have not, uh, or if you have and you know someone that has not, this is a great opportunity. It's a it's an annual rite of passage here in our community. Andre, always great to see you. Pleasure. Andre Lewis is the artistic director at the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. Once again, Nutcracker has returned. It begins tomorrow, eight shows through December 30th, uh, 7 p.m. tomorrow, uh, 22nd, 23rd. There are matinees on uh, December 23rd and the 30th, as well as on Boxing Day. There's a 4 p.m. show. And you can get details at their Royal Winnipeg Ballet's website, rwb.org. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.